your friends will always be there to comfort and encourage you. However, friends will also disappoint you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals what the Apostle Paul had to say about friends who had let him down and considers the issue that can surface when it happens to you. From Courage to Conquer, here's David with today's message, Courage When Friends Disappoint You. You know, I've heard people say to me after they've gone through a very uh, discouraging time with a friend who maybe betrayed them, they'll say something like this, well, that's it. I don't need anybody. I'm not going to have any more friends. I'm just, I'm going to get through life. I'm not going to ever let that happen to me again. And of course, that is an option. It's not a very good one, but it is an option. And I've seen people try to put that into practice. But the better thing is to figure out how to live with courage in the midst of disappointment. And God will help us to do that. And today we're going to learn some principles that will also help us. These are principles right from the Word of God, and um, I'm anxious to share them with you. Today's message, Courage When Friends Disappoint You. And I want to encourage you to uh, not only get the study guide and the, and the CDs for this series from davidjeremiah.org. That's our website. You can purchase those materials there. But I want to give you something um, to motivate your investment in Turning Point. This is a, a great book by Rob Morgan to help you um, get through these days. It's like it's like God brought this book alongside of this series. It's perfect. It's the perfect companion to Courage to Conquer. The Jordan River Rules give you 10 God-given strategies for moving forward. And I want to make sure this book gets in your hands. Here's how you can get your copy from Turning Point. Send a gift of any size during the month of February. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, why do you need a gift? Well, that's how we support the ministry. We don't have any um, major foundation that's behind us. The, the ministry of Turning Point lives and functions totally on the free gifts of those who share uh, on the other end of the mic. So if you're being encouraged and blessed by the teaching every day, here's a chance for you uh, to make a statement and say thank you. Send your gift, whatever size your gift. Ask for the book. And we'll send it to you. Once again, it will bring joy to your life and add value uh, to your walk with Christ. Well, here we go with part one. Courage when friends disappoint you. Pepper Rogers was the former football coach for UCLA many years ago. And one time he recalled that he was once in the middle of a terrible football season. In fact, he said that it got so bad that it started upset his home life. He said, my dog was my only friend. <laughs> so one day he said, I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends. And she went out and bought me another dog. <laughs> <laughs> we all have friends and we all need friends, but what is a friend? Someone has defined a friend as a friend is one in front of whom you can be your own true self. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, a friend is one who will make us do what we can when we are saying that we can't. There's a number of phrases in the Bible that speak of friendship straight out. You probably know Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 that says a friend loves at all times. Then in the next chapter of Proverbs, chapter 18 and verse 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
All of us have friends, but friends come in different sizes and different packages, don't they? One time I was reading a book on friendship, and in the book they pointed out that there are four different kinds of friends. First of all, they're what we might call contact friends. These are people that you meet in your daily life, people that you pass along the way, sort of like the elevator operator where you work, the gas station attendant that you know, the person at the grocery store, some acquaintances that you might wave to, but you're not even sure you know their name, you know who they are but you're not sure they know who you are. Just sort of contact friends. And the second level of friendship is what we might call casual friends. These are people who have common interests with you, people to whom you are free to speak. Maybe these are the guys you play basketball with at the Y during the lunchtime. Or maybe you go golfing with them or you see them on the jogging trail and they're sort of casual. You know who they are, they know who you are, but that's it. And then there are, thirdly, what we might call close friends. These are people with whom you share common goals. Maybe your partner in business, your neighbor at home, someone you sit with when you come to church. And finally, there's this final group of friends. We call them committed friends. This is a person who cares enough about you to confront you when you are wrong. One who stays with you in the thick and in the thin. We are very blessed as people if each of us have one or two committed friends. They are a rare commodity in life, believe me. And all God's people said, amen. Now, it's interesting when you open the New Testament and you start to read the letters that Paul wrote. That Paul was a man of many friends. And that is especially interesting to me as a leader because when I consider all that Paul accomplished in his life and all the various things he was involved in, he was a missionary who traveled extensively. He was an author who wrote the vast majority of what we know as the New Testament, most of all the epistles. He was a preacher, an itinerant preacher. He was a theologian. He was a counselor to his friends. He's the kind of person that in today's world you would say, don't worry about this guy. He doesn't have time for friends. He's just too busy. (laughs) But one of the things that's astounding to me as I read his letters is that over and over again in his letters, he's constantly making reference to his friends. For instance, the greatest epistle that has ever been penned is the epistle to the Romans. When you get to the end of the book of Romans, in the last chapter, Paul's signing off on the letter He mentions 34 people by name in the last chapter. 34 people by name. And he says a little bit about each of them. Some of them you never hear about again in all of the Bible. They're just people that Paul knew. And when you come to the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy, you discover, and I went through and I underlined all of them. In verses 9 through 21, there are 17 names of people. There's two more back in the first chapter, perhaps some others. But here is Paul writing to his young friend Timothy. And over and over again, he mentions the names of people. In Paul's letter, we have the opportunity to look into his life and to view his soul. His pastoral letters, especially to Timothy and to Titus, are very helpful. Because as one man has said, everyone reveals his soul in his letters. We learn about Paul and what made him the man that he was in the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. Because the second letter to Timothy is Paul's most personal communication. 
when writing to his young friend, Timothy, who was a pastor in the city of Ephesus, Paul bears his heart and expresses his experiences like no other place in the Bible. Now, if we were to just stop right now and read this passage, which we're going to do sort of in piecemeal, you would notice that this is kind of a tough passage to read. Because at the end of the second letter, Paul begins to talk about all of his friends who aren't there anymore. He's going to give us some understanding of the challenges that we face of disappointment in our friendships. And so let's begin by, first of all, looking at this passage of Scripture and examining the challenges of disappointment. What causes people to leave us as friends? Well, let me suggest to you, without even looking at the text, that Paul was in an ideal spot to jettison friendships. You know where Paul was when he wrote this? He was in jail. How many of you know that sometimes you can lose your friends when you go to jail? <laughs> you know, they don't want to know who you are. They don't want anybody to know that you know who they are. You just, you know, you lose friends sometimes when you go to jail. Well, Paul was in prison in Rome, outside in the streets. During that particular time, Nero's persecution was in full swing. Let me try to set the stage for this. Behind the facade of the sophisticated Roman society, there was total moral decay and growing disregard for human life. Suicide was rampant. Men and women, tired of the struggle of life, gave up and put an end to themselves. Following the fire of AD 63, the famous Roman fire that we read about when we were studying history, that burned up almost all of Rome, Nero, who was responsible for the fire, who set the fire himself, successfully blamed it on the Christians. And many of those Christians were Paul's personal friends. So here he is huddled in this cold cell. He died inwardly every day as the word of his Christian brothers and sisters reached him in his cell. Some of them had been covered with the skins of beasts and thrown to the wild animals in the Colosseum. Some had been covered with flammable material and they were set on fire to serve as human torches in Nero's garden as he rode his chariot through the garden at night, indulging his warped mind in a carnival of fire and blood. Danger and terror and persecution were in the air. And here's Paul, isolated in his prison room, and he could do nothing but grieve for his friends and anticipate an equally horrible end to his own life. When you are going through a time of difficulty, often you get separated from your friends. Think of the men and women today who are in the military. Oh, they have some people they've met along the way, but their true friends are not there. Think of that couple you know that's going through a divorce. Think of the awkwardness you feel, perhaps even as their friend. You don't know what to say or what to do. So often, what do we do? We back clear away, and we let them go through the pain of it all by themselves. Think of that awful experience of a parent with Alzheimer's disease or a spouse with a terminal illness. How often we who are the people of God see that pain and that suffering, and because we don't know how to respond, we don't respond at all. And to them, the people who are suffering, it looks as if we don't care. And they are left alone, as Paul was left alone in his Roman cell. Think of not being included in the in-group at school. 
where you just moved. Oh, we can come up with lots of different scenarios where difficulty begins to be a friend separator. Difficulty can sort out your friends like nothing else I know. Amen? When you go through difficult times, when you face difficult situations in your life, you don't have to ask after it's all over who really cares about me because you'll find out. You'll find out in the crucibles of life who really are your friends. Well, there's another thing here that you notice as you read this, and that is that not only does difficulty separate friends, but despair does it too. Off and on throughout his ministry, Paul had known the trauma of imprisonment. Most scholars believe that his last confinement was in the Mamertine prison where he is incarcerated as he writes to Timothy. If they are correct, then he is in a place that I have actually seen on one occasion when we visited Rome. His cell was damp and it reeked with pestilence. It was a big open hole in the ground with a lid over the top like a sewer. It reminded him every day of the miseries of generations of condemned criminals. That's where he was spending his time. Paul knew at this time that he would not escape from that cell alive. He had had his preliminary audience before Caesar, and he had been spared from death at that particular moment. In fact, that's what he means in verse 17. As you look down in your Bibles, it says that he was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So he didn't die at his preliminary defense. But public feeling toward this apostle and his converts was very hostile at this moment. And most people viewed allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ as high treason. And the dark cloud that hung over Paul is apparent earlier in this chapter as he expresses to young Timothy his resignation. Notice, if you will, in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 of 2 Timothy. Here's Paul speaking. He's saying, I am now ready to be poured out as a sacrifice in the time of my departure. Is at hand? He's talking about his death. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to those who love his appearing. Paul knew that his time had come. He was sitting in this prison cell, aware of the fact that he would soon die. And tradition has it that Paul was condemned to death and then he was beheaded as a Roman citizen on the Ostian Way about three miles outside of the city of Rome. According to Christian historian Eusebius, Paul was executed on the very same day as Peter. And Peter was executed by upside-down crucifixion because he said he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. Though we cannot validate the actual details of either of their deaths, we do know that Paul's second letter to Timothy was the last will and testament of his life. Shivering in his prison cell, Paul is writing with the knowledge that he would never write again. One of the stages of grief is isolation from others. There are times when the trauma of our life is so intense that it is impossible to invite anyone into that experience. And sometimes our own despair separates us from true friends. And then there's the third thing that happens that isolates us from friends. Not only difficulty and despair, but defection. Sometimes it's not us. Sometimes it's them. Paul's greatest pain was not the deprivation of his Roman cell. His greatest pain was the separation of his caring friends. 
His anguish is clear when he speaks to Timothy about rejection and he reveals that all who were in Asia had turned against him. Actually, two of Paul's Asian friends had defected earlier. 2 Timothy 1.15 says this, This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. In other words, all of the friends that he had from the Asian church had decided they didn't want to be Paul's friend anymore. Reading through the last verses of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy is like reading a litany of defection and desertion. Notice, Demas had forsaken Paul, Crescens had gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. 2 Timothy 4.10 says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Now what happens here is Paul's writing this from his prison cell and he's thinking through all the people that are his friends. In verse 12 he says, Antichicus, I sent him to Ephesus. And in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. In verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth and Trophimus I left in Miletus. He was sick. In summary, almost all of Paul's friends had disappeared at the time of his preliminary hearing before Caesar. And in 2 Timothy 4.16 we read, At my first defense, watch this, no one stood with me. All forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Can you feel the pain of loneliness in those words from Paul? Wow. In fact, if you want to know what a true committed friend is, look down at verse 11 in 2 Timothy 4. Only Luke is with me. Go down through that list of the kinds of friends we have, you know, the casual, the contact, the close, and the committed. You've already lost them all by verse 11. The only one left is Luke. And Luke happens to be Paul's doctor, his physician. What was going on in Paul's heart when he wrote these words? One of the writers of commentaries on the Old and New Testament is a man by the name of Bishop Handley Moole. He said about this passage, I have often found it difficult to deliberately read these short words without finding something like a mist gathering in my eyes. The writer's heart beats in the writing. You can see his tears fall all over the past in the harrowing present. Here is a man on his way to death. One moment he is strong with courage, and the next he is as tender as a child when he begs his friend Timothy to come to him before winter because he is so lonely. For you see, said Moore, the great apostle Paul was also a creature of flesh and blood, a man of like nature as you and me. Although he has finished his course and he's awaiting his crown, he is still a frail human being with ordinary human needs. That's what I love about this book. It is filled with the stories of flesh and blood people like you and me who face all the same kind of challenges we face. Now, before we go on, let me tell you that there are two names in particular that jump out of this list of 17 names in the fourth chapter. The first is a guy by the name of Demas. Have you ever heard of him before? Demas is mentioned three times in the Bible. The first time he's mentioned, he's referred to as one of Paul's fellow workers. The second time he's mentioned, he's just sort of mentioned with Paul. That's it. And the third time he's mentioned here in 2 Timothy, we are told that he left Paul he defected because he loved this present world more than he loved the cause of Christ. He loved comfort more than Christ. 
I cannot imagine what this must have done to Paul, who had discipled him, who had mentored him, who had poured his life into him, who had believed in him, who had worked alongside of him. And now in this time of stress, and some people believe that Demas just saw that the cost was too high. He just saw that it was an awful hard thing to be a Christian and that to pay the price to serve the Lord was a higher price than he was willing to pay. And so he just went home because he loved the comforts of the world more than the benefits of being a Christian. And Paul said he defected, he turned away. Paul gave extra words to describe the fierce opposition of another man on this list, a man by the name of Alexander. He's called Alexander the coppersmith. Now there's a number of Alexanders in the Bible, but he stands all by himself as far as I can determine. He's only here in this passage. And you know what the Bible says about him? Literally, it should be translated. He informed many evil things against me. Most scholars believe that the reason Paul is in prison is because Alexander, quote, his friend, ratted on him and informed against him to the people who ultimately jailed him. Now think about that. Here's a guy he mentored who's gone back because he can't take the heat. Here's a guy he thought was a friend who turned him in. And Paul was so concerned about that, he warned Timothy. He says, man, stay away from that guy. Whatever you do, he's trouble. I need to say to you that no leader, no matter who he might be, who determines to walk the high road with his God will be able always to experience freedom from the kinds of things Paul felt. There are always going to be times when things happen that discourage you, that disappoint you. People that you've led to Christ, who you think are on the road to really serve God, and then one day you look up and they're not around and you say, what happened to so-and-so? And someone says, well, he's gone off. He's left his family. He's left his wife. He's left his church, and he's gone off to do his own thing. And your heart breaks because... You thought they were on the right track. They were going in the right way. And you poured your life into them. And you poured the life of people you know into them. It's hard. Let me encourage you. It's part of the game. It's part of the package. When you serve the Lord, you get what the Lord got. And you remember what the Lord got? John 1, 10, and 11. He came into the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So if you're a leader and all of a sudden you look up and you don't have quite the cadre of friends that you had before because you've gone to a new level with the Lord, don't take it with pride. Take it with joy that you're in the fellowship of the kingdom and you're walking with the Lord. I need to get off of all of this because it's kind of discouraging and depressing to see this guy in prison dealing with all these things that are going on with the people he knew. You talk about a man who's friendless except for his doctor. It's Paul. Wow. Don't you feel better about life when you realize you're not the only one? <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's what I think when I read the Bible. I, I might get a little pity party for what's going on in my life, and then I'll read something like this in the Scripture and say, Come on, Jeremiah. You're not the first one ever to be in this place. At least I'm not in prison. <laughs> and that's a good thing, isn't it? So uh, tomorrow we'll finish this up and talk some more about what to do when uh, friends disappoint you. And then we have uh, one more uh, major message on Monday. Um, that finishes up the series on courage. It's called Courage When Fatigue Drains You. Wow. So this whole series, um, Courage to Conquer, the passages in the Bible that pump me up and keep me going, uh, this is available to you. Um, 
You can get the CDs of the audio messages just as they are heard on the radio. And you can get a wonderful study guide that guides you through all these messages. This beautiful study guide gives you all of the principles. It actually condenses the message and kind of gives you a brief uh, resume of it. Then all of the points and the principles are there for you to make your own notes. There's places for you to look up other scriptures and applications. It's a great study guide for a small group. If you're in a small group situation and you're looking for something new, and maybe your group's kind of been down in the mouth right now, let me encourage you to take this on. Study this for a few weeks, and I believe God will use it to strengthen you and cheer you up. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Courage to Conquer, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Learn how God uses crisis to prepare you for stronger days ahead. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Courage to Conquer, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're ready to move towards the promises God has given you this year, then you'll love The Jordan River Rules, written by Robert Morgan. You'll learn 10 God-given strategies for moving forward, including how to encircle obstacles with biblical faith. This encouraging hardcover is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point this month. And when you give $70 or more, you'll also receive The Courage to Conquer set, featuring Dr. Jeremiah's teaching series, companion study guide, and bookmark. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. 2012 was the year of the Summer Olympics in London, followed by the 2012 Summer Paralympics in the same city. The distinction between normal athletes and physically challenged athletes brings to mind an observation made by Edith Schaefer, author and wife of the late Francis Schaefer. 
Mrs. Schaefer observed that every human being is challenged or imperfect in some way. None of us is a perfect human specimen. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of God's ideal. So in God's eyes, we are all candidates for the spiritual Paralympics. And by His grace, we are able to cross the finish line. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's enabling grace on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.